Living the Truth is a podcast for creative humans who don't like to fit in a box, who have multiple passions to follow, who are curious and eager to forge their own path in their own unique, messy, and human way, who are ready to make things happen on their own terms and in their own time. This is a safe space for honest, deep, and meaningful conversations about living your truth out loud as a creative. Welcome to episode 4 of Living Your Truth podcast. My guest today is Julia from juliarights.com. Julia is a writer and a translator. She lives in Scotland where she is trying to slow down her life in order to live it to the fullest. In this episode, we talk about her journey of leaving a dream corporate job, traveling for a year and then finally slowing down to sit with her thoughts figure out what she'd rather love doing and how she's still figuring things out as she goes. We also talked about the power of stories and how sharing our true, not-so-perfect, messy parts can empower others to see what's possible for them too. We talked a lot about the process and how going through the process and the discomfort is inevitable if you wish to deviate from the should-dos in your life. My conversation with Julia made me realize how even though we both grew up in different cultures but are so very alike and have similar kinds of struggles, I hope our experiences resonate with yours too. Enjoy! Hi Julia, so wonderful to have you here. Hi here, I'm excited to be here. Tell us all about you. What do you do? How and when you started? Yeah, no, I'm happy to. Uh, So my name is Julia and I started sharing on Instagram and my website about a year and a half ago, kind of consistently. And this all came about because three years ago I left my job in finance and moved from London to Aberdeen in Scotland. So there were quite a few big changes going on at the time. (laughs) And I share about these changes and about the move from big city life and big corporate job life to living a freelance life and a life that fits more with who I believe I am. Right. So you are a writer. Yes. Though it can still be a little bit scary claiming that title. (laughs) I wanted you to say that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a writer. Yes. How you came to realize that this is something you wanted to do? Yeah, this is, I feel like it's a very long meandering journey because when when I first left my job, I left it without any clear idea of what I wanted to do. It was all I knew is that my current job just didn't feel really right. I was, I was going to work every day and, and I was absolutely fine. You know, people were lovely. It was 
it was well paid it allowed me to live a very nice life in london but i constantly felt underconfident and just like it wasn't i wasn't living up to kind of my fullest potential it just felt as if i was always underperforming and that may be the perfectionist in me but now that i and doing the kind of work that i do now i can i can really separate that perfectionist tendency with with the work that i do which is something i wasn't able to do in when i was working in finance and i really do feel like that comes with doing something that you're a lot more aligned with mm-hmm. so when i left my job in finance i then spent a year traveling because i was so desperate to have something to do <laughs> once i had left my job that i just threw myself into whatever i could mm-hmm. my husband at the time he um was working in albania and he worked on a rotation job which okay. where he would have one month on and one month off and so we decided for this year that he was going to do that we would travel every other month and the months where he was working i would i would go and do something that was interesting to me and i was extremely lucky and privileged to be able to take this time off thanks to my finance job where i had been saving enough money mm-hmm. to be able to to fund this lifestyle for the year and when i look back on it and when i talk about it it sounds so wonderful and adventurous to everyone on the outside but what was happening on the inside was that i was just feeling more and more lost mm-hmm. and instead of really sitting with myself and thinking about what it was i was trying to achieve or trying to get to i just distracted myself so i would be booking holidays i was also planning our wedding at the time and it was very easy to just constantly fall down a rabbit mm-hmm. hole i did a yoga teacher training during this time as well where it was the first time where i was forced to kind of slow down because it was a real focus on the mental and philosophical side of yoga which required meditation every day required sitting in silence until 11 a.m. every day with every week we had one day of full full silence which at first was an utter nightmare for me <laughs> i can imagine <laughs> it felt awful having to sit with your own thoughts of just by yourself for hours on end um but it was the first i think that was the first inkling into how i really needed time by myself to mm-hmm. figure out what it is that i want to be doing or that i like doing and part of the reason why i threw myself into things all the time was because i felt like i had to have it had to have it all sorted right mm-hmm. that instant I feel that there's very little stories around the messy process 
of figuring things out. Mm -hmm. You tend to hear the narratives of people who have quit their jobs and then are following their dreams and have made made that into a reality. Or you hear about people who who absolutely detest their jobs. And I was never in that bracket. So it took me so long to make the jump that I did because I kept thinking, but I don't have a dream. So where does that leave me? That if I, if I don't hate my job, then should I just stay in it? And uh, so when I finally left my job, I thought, well, I need to find a dream. I need to find a purpose. And I just threw myself into all these things. And that continued until I moved up to Aberdeen. And then I moved up to Aberdeen. And uh, it's a much smaller city. (laughs) (laughs) There's about 300,000 people that live here. And it's a much quieter pace of life, which at first was tough to deal with. And I spent the first few months being quite miserable because I didn't know anyone. And I, it was dark and it was in the midst of winter and our boiler broke and there were all these things going on. But it was... Uh, during this time that I just had to spend time by myself and spending time by myself is when I started to reach out to Instagram. So when I started following inspiring people online and really kind of following my curiosity, which is something that I think is so crucial to, as you would say, living your truth out loud when you aren't actually sure what your truth is. Exactly. That you have to, you have to learn how to be curious again. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel th- like I have basically spent the past year and a half learning how to be curious again. <laughs> your journey is an actual example of what I believe the process looks like mm. to me. We all, I think, start with what we think we should be doing in our lives. We yeah. grow up, we take education that we think is going to benefit us in the future, not thinking about what is it that we really want to be doing, but um, we follow the plan. And when we find ourselves not really happy and not in a position to say that this is something that I really wanted. And then when you have everything, but you're still not feeling happy with that state, that's where you can't stop um, thinking about um, following your own truth. Exactly. Yeah. I completely, completely agree with you because that's, that's so much I didn't want to deviate from the plan yeah (laughs) because I was in a great job and everyone kept telling me how great my job was and how lucky I was to be in that job and in so many ways it was a dream job but not for me Mm. 
And part of the issue was that because I had this plan and you keep thinking that you should be following that idea for ages, I just buckled in Mm -hmm. and did more of the same to try and make myself feel better. So I read more about economics. I subscribed to financial newsletters. I gained a prestigious qualification in the industry and I kept chasing the things that I thought would make me feel like I would finally belong in that profession. Mm -hmm. The interesting part that you shared about your story for me was the time period it took you to really accept that this is not where you belong and you couldn't Mm -hmm. stop avoiding the truth that wanted to come to life through you. Yes, it took years. It yeah. did take years. <laughs> yeah, and I, I love that you are sharing about the time it takes mm-hmm. to, to really accept what it is that we are longing for. Yeah, and I still feel like I'm in the middle of it. Yeah. I still feel like I don't have a clear idea of where I want to be going. I just know that I, know that I want to write, and mm. I know that I love sharing. And I know that I love connecting. I think connection for me is one of the most important things. And I do that through the words that I write. And um, being able to do that has been incredibly freeing for many other aspects of my life. Mm -hmm. I'm right there with you. I think I'm also still figuring this out. (laughs) 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 And I'm pretty sure most of the people who will end up listening to this will also find themselves in the process. And I don't think there comes a time where we can say that I'm 100% sure. This is Mm. what I always wanted to do. There there could be a teeny tiny possibility of something that you are longing for more. Mm. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And I think what I love about having that you've started to create these conversations is that exactly like I said before, where I feel like there are so many stories about people having a dream and chasing it, right. that there, there is so much more of an in-between, in-between where there are so many things that people maybe want to do, but it's not necessarily a dream. Or I know you talk about multi-passionate creatives as well where there are lots of little things that you want to be doing. Like I call myself a writer, but I don't necessarily want to write a novel. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that was also part of the reason why I would struggle with identifying with that title of a right. writer is because I didn't want to write a book. I just wanted to write and share, <laughs> but it wasn't necessarily a book. And so it took me a while to get into that idea of, of saying, no, but actually, what I love is connecting through words, and that makes me a writer. Yes, I, I think it's interesting that now you're claiming it, and mm-hmm. that you were afraid to claim it because of the traditional sense of being a writer and what what is expected of being a writer. Mm-hmm. And and isn't that just the whole issue in general (laughs) that we have so often is that we believe that there are so many roles that fit into a specific box that to be a writer you have to have a published novel that 
um, to be a creative, you have to be selling something online, all these things that takes a while to realize that that's not true. (laughs) (laughs) And Instagram has been instrumental to me in learning how there are so many other people out there who are muddling along (laughs) in the same way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How do you like to spend your days now? I know you're in in the middle of a move, Mm. but I was wondering how do you like to spend your day to day? Yeah, so I actually think about it more on a sort of weekly basis mm-hmm. um, because one of, one of the main catalysts for me actually going freelance was flexibility. And I love being able to decide my own hours. <laughs> so I will, I will have things that I want to achieve in the week And that means I can choose on a day-to-day basis which ones I will will focus on. So on a day-to-day basis, I will wake up and I have a little bit of a morning routine. And outside of that, I'm very flexible. I try to get out of my house because walking makes me feel better and spending time outdoors always makes me feel better. But then I will pick and choose between a few categories of writing, reading, translation work, and also things that kind of nourish my soul, basically. Does that make sense? (laughs) (laughs) It does, it does. I'm I'm thinking I wanted to continue on that conversation more about sharing how we need more stories of the messy middle. Yeah, well, I, um, I do find that actually that this might be helpful to people listening. But one of the things that helped me the most when I was in the middle of in the middle of it all, as I still feel like I'm in the middle of it all, <laughs> was hearing other people's stories. And um, podcasts really helped me uncover that. There is, um, there is a podcast by Fiona Barrows called mm-hmm. There Are Other Ways. I don't know if you've heard it. I have. And, and there was, there was a, uh, a podcast on there talking about being a freelancer, but also how um, this woman, she also worked part-time at a coffee shop to kind of help with creating stability and not being lonely with the freelance work. And so she didn't have to stress so much about the totally freelance side of things. And that was the first time that I'd kind of heard about a life that could be cobbled together in different ways. Mm -hmm. Because as we have been discussing, there are traditional roles Mm -hmm. in the way of kind of, okay, well, you'll be a banker or you work in an office and that's what you do or you go freelance. It, it seems that I feel like you, you always live in extremes and I keep forgetting that there's so much more <laughs> in between those two extremes. And, and it was hearing that conversation that really allowed me to open up my mind around how I felt like I wanted to live my days. Mm-hmm. Similarly with Jessica Ruiz-Williams, where she talks about 
bringing joy into her day and always doing something that feeds her life first before she starts working. That is something that I love. I always try to make sure that I fit joy into my day as opposed to just work, work, work. Mm-hmm. I tend to do my best work in the morning, so I will, I will operate predominantly like the work work that I need to do I'll get that done in the morning and then I'll fit and joy in the afternoon <laughs> but but hearing hearing these stories of how these people were living was what gave me the inspiration to try and figure out what I really wanted to do which is what inspired me as well to share my story I think that's the power of stories and that's why I really believe in sharing stories that are relatable and that are true in in the essence of who you want to be as a person and how you want to work. Yeah, completely. And and I think so many people struggle, as I did initially, of thinking, well, no one wants to hear what's happened to me. <laughs> No one wants to hear another story of someone leaving a corporate job. <laughs> and, and then I remember that I spent about a year and a half chasing down the stories of people doing exactly that. <laughs> right. yes. Because I wanted assurance <laughs> that it was possible. Right, yeah. And I know I can relate to that. I was, when I thought of starting... Um, studying and building a creative practice along with the business that would really work for me. I was also looking for stories <laughs> that yeah. I myself could relate to. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was, we connected as well because you were sharing your story around yeah. this at around the same time that I was sharing my story. And, and it felt so wonderful to read what was going on in your life and have that moment of someone else gets it (laughs) yeah and it also kind of empowers you in in a way that um it makes you feel less alone in your journey and then Mm. it gives it kind of gives you the courage to keep going yeah it does it really does and i think it also as you said in the in the way that it empowers you is that it allows you to believe that that is, is a possible route because seeing things modeled for you makes you realize that it is possible. And I find one of the things that I used to hate when I first left my job was going to meeting new people and going to dinner parties or etc and people would always ask me what do you do and and I would get so frustrated and flustered because I was trying to prove myself in one sentence (laughs) basically and it used to be so easy because I could be like oh I'm an equity analyst for a fund management firm and that sounded very fancy Mm -hmm. even though whenever I said it I felt a little bit like a fraud (laughs) Um, and and now that there is so much more online, it's so much more visible that the, the kind of life that people can lead, 
being able to say, oh, well, I, I freelance is something that actually makes sense to people mm-hmm. now. And it feels, it empowered me to be able to own different titles and not be so anxious about explaining what I did and not project my own insecurities about not having an official title onto other people. Mm-hmm. How everybody else in your circle has started to see it. I'm curious how um, your close circle sees it, the way you are approaching it, because it's different than the traditional love. Mm. I think it's been quite a big mix, especially from the beginning. When I first left my job, I had a real polarity of responses. I had some people who were were just very excited for me, especially because I had just a year of travel lined up. And so Mm -hmm. I think that's the dream for a lot of people. And so it felt like I was was just going to do something amazing, Mm -hmm. despite the fact that I was so anxious about everything at that time. And, uh, And then I had a lot of people who were projecting their own fear onto me. So the fact that I was leaving a well-paid, stable job. Secure job. A secure job, exactly, to them, freaked them out. And so they would say, well, why are you doing that when you could just do this stuff that you want to do in your own time? You know, just stick to your job, make the money, use the extra hours that you have outside of that to do whatever it is that you're thinking about. And when I look back now, and I'm, I'm not advocating that you have to leave your job to be able to find out what you want to do. I don't, I don't believe that. Like, I think it can go in stages. But for me personally, I was so wrapped up in what I was doing. And I was, I was feeling so miserable because I was doing something that didn't really feed me, that I felt so underconfident in, in that I didn't even have the imagination to think of what I could do. Mm-hmm. I felt so stuck. And that's part of the reason why I didn't leave as well, because I, I didn't have any idea what I would do otherwise. And it's only through leaving and from giving myself space that I have begun to figure out what it is that I even like doing. And as I said before, kind of approaching with curiosity and trying to see what it is that I enjoy took me a surprising amount of time to get to this point. Right. And there's something about going through the process that teaches you a lot about yourself. And Mm. again, it's about figuring out as you go. But I am... In my opinion, it is really important to go through that process yourself in a way that feels comfortable for you, like you said. Completely. Yeah, I completely agree because it's very individual. Exactly, yeah. And some people, it only may take a few months for them to figure out what they want. And some people, it may take 10 years. (laughs) It's just, (laughs) there is a process to it, as you say, that has to be gone through. Exactly. And has to be done on your own time. Mm-hmm. that's the same with finding your voice your writing mm. voice or your artistic style 
unless you start doing something and figuring out that this is not what looks like me anymore maybe this is not me so I'll try something new yes completely and for so long I was paralyzed by indecision and paralyzed by perfection I only wanted to start something if I thought it was going to be worth my time or if I thought I was going to succeed at it yes I know I know that that very well yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) which is why it took me so long uh, to, to get to where I am today because I was too scared to just dabble. Exactly, yeah. Just be like, okay, well, I'll give this a go. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Uh, I was so terrified when I first started posting on Instagram. And then, and then I just started getting used to it. <laughs> uh, but there have been people who have seen my Instagram and have been confused by the the shift in voice because my posts before I started sharing more of my writing were very much along the lines of travel and food and very lighthearted high level things and so when I started sharing a bit more of what I was going through and what was happening in my head I had a few people who were a little concerned but thankfully I didn't listen to them. And that's the other thing that I feel like I've learned over the t- over time is that other people are always going to have opinions about what you are doing, but you have to be able to filter out whose opinion is really important and whose isn't. This reminds me of Brene Brown's work. Mm. You might have seen the Netflix documentary. I have, yes. And I also, um, yeah, I mean, her documentary, all her work is incredible and I think has been instrumental in so many people making more decisions to be brave, basically, brave and vulnerable. And I I definitely have thought much of her writing has really inspired me to to be in the trenches, as it were, as she describes it as well. If you're in the arena (laughs) and do the work. (laughs) Yeah. and I've uh, I've got my husband on board with watching the Netflix <laughs> documentary. <laughs> so. I got mine too. <laughs> but her work has definitely inspired my work as well, and it has kind of given me the push, little push that I needed to mm. keep showing up and keep sharing my story and sharing the the failures along the way as well. Mm. Yeah, it's so important to have both sides of the story, in, in, which is the process, too, because that's, uh, I, think, I think there is more and more of that online, which is wonderful to see. But as I said before, you tend to just kind of see the success stories exactly. rather than, rather than the, the in-between, the process, which is what everyone goes through. <laughs> um, but it's just choosing what, what you're displaying or not mm-hmm. and it's also you get to see them only when you deliberately search for them mm. because it's not that common it's not the um, common way of sharing about the failures or the messy middle mm. but it's it's more easy to share about the success you have had yeah. rather than sharing how vulnerable you felt and how many times you have failed to get yeah. where you are now. Yeah, that is very true. I think a lot of people still don't 
even when they do talk about failures, it tends to be in the context of success. So you'll say, okay, well, I've only got success now because I did X, Y, and Z, rather than just talking immediately about things that have gone wrong kind of soon after they've gone wrong or while they're going wrong. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know that when I read those kind of stories, that always makes me feel better because there's plenty of things that I've tried that don't work. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's also important to recover from those stories first before you put them online. I, Yeah, Brene Brown also talks about it, recovering mm. from that that failure yourself first. So none of the comments that you get are going to affect how you feel about that, but you yeah. have recovered. Yeah, no, completely. And I think, I think Brene Brown talks about this in her book as well, where she talks about the, uh, the over-connecting Mm-hmm. as a way of trying to create that that kind of moment of vulnerability to try and overconnect and that's exactly where you're where you're talking is that when you share something that you haven't processed yet that you haven't dealt with yet it causes more harm yeah and <laughs> good. good for sure and i i'm definitely guilty of doing that not online but in my own relationships sometimes and uh, it can be it can be just as harmful for sure so it is important to have your kind of boundaries in place yeah well I actually wanted to ask you as well I mean I I know that we're we're going to be going back and forth about this but I wanted to ask you as well when when you first left your job did you leave also because it didn't feel right or was there lots of other factors that went into it Oh, it's going to be a long answer. (laughs) (laughs) I have had a very difficult childhood. Mm -hmm. um, But soon after graduating and finding a job, the job I left behind was the kind of perfect job. Mm. Uh, But I I don't think I will ever have had the courage to leave it by myself unless we moved and that's exactly what happened even though I wasn't really um, it was an amazing job I had wonderful colleagues I had um, I enjoyed designing but it wasn't I was working as a fashion and accessories designer in a very renowned brand but um, it felt like something was missing like Mm. for me the meaning was missing the purpose the bigger picture, the purpose for me was missing. And I always wanted to start something of my own, but I finally had the courage to say goodbye to my job when when we moved to Copenhagen. My husband, mm-hmm. he started his master's here. And when I moved, I started, I was so used to have that kind of financial security. When mm-hmm. I said earlier about the difficult childhood, this is exactly what I meant. Um, the, so it was really important for me to have the financial security. And when we moved here, we were living off his savings. Um, and obviously he was studying. He was also using his savings to finance his studies. Uh, and then I started looking for jobs right away. But then... Yeah. <laughs> uh, I but know then, the feeling. 
<laughs> I I needed to uh, I I needed to have something to fill in my days, uh, and that's how I filled in my days by applying for job applications. But then soon I realized now I have all this time in my hands. I didn't know anybody here. The weather was dark <laughs> and gray. <laughs> A lot like yours. <laughs> yeah. So, and I really had time to think and sit with my thoughts. And I thought maybe this is exactly what I needed. Little space to talk to myself. And it wasn't very financially unstable, but it wasn't the lifestyle maybe we wanted to have, the more comfortable one. But I also thought that maybe this is the time when I can follow my desire to or my curiosity to figure out what it is that I want to be doing and that's mm. exactly when I started uh, I started working as a freelancer um, um, as a graphic designer mostly online but then but then I started also writing and sharing on Instagram just like you <laughs> yeah and then I made a blog and I started writing on it. Before my blog, I, I started sharing my letters. Uh, and in those letters, I used to share what was going on inside my head mm. and all those struggles, all that messy middle. And I think those were the connections that I made that really empowered me to keep going on and figuring out what it is that I want to be doing. I used to think that being a multi-passionate is something, there's something wrong with me. There, there must be one kind of dream that I <laughs> want to follow, but there are so many things and I love learning new things. Mm -hmm. And how, how could this be right? <laughs> yeah. And I couldn't put my mind on any one thing. And I wanted to pick any one thing because I thought that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And then the one thing that I want to pick should be the perfect thing that I will, you know, continue on with perfectly. <laughs> mm -hmm. But it wasn't the case. And uh, with the process, I started to really accept that this is how I am. I love learning new things and experimenting. And maybe this is something like I love following my curiosity. So why not? This could be my one thing. Yeah. That is, yeah, it's so, so similar to me. Yeah. I also love learning new things as well. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and writing has actually been the, the one thing that kind of threads them all together because yeah. I'm so passionate about words and connection that writing has been my way to explore all the various different things mm -hmm. that I love being interested in. <laughs> And I think I also used my writing uh, and the, those newsletters as a form of personal storytelling or journaling. Mm. And I, I kind of figured myself out a little bit by using vo my voice there. Yeah, I think that is so important. I mean, what you said before as well about the process being the only way that you can figure out your own voice is exactly that. You need to use it to be yeah. able to know what feels right. I've, oh. um, I've only just started writing my newsletter and 
I can already feel that that is exactly like you were saying, it's kind of the messy middle, the in-between of what's going on. And, but being able to have that longer form of writing really helps to be able to share more of that story. Yeah. And I think it, th- those connections are my favorite kind of connections. I love mm. getting those replies when, when my story kind of resonates and makes a, a whole space for someone else. I love that feeling. Yeah, and that's, that's exactly what I love about Instagram in general in the community and getting responses from people in newsletters as well is, is that these stories are so valid to help someone else realize that they're not alone. And that's the, even though you can't have, you know, your colleagues in the same office as you (laughs) being freelance in the same space, these are the stories that make you feel like you're connected to a whole network of humans that are doing something similar to you and are your supporters, essentially. Yeah and can deeply understand your struggles because they are very similar to their own. Yeah. And this was, and as, as you said, with the, uh, the cold, dark winter when you first <laughs> move and you don't know anyone, that was my lifeline. When yeah. in the first few months, it was reading these stories and knowing that there were people out there doing what I wanted to do And it really inspired me to share more about what I was doing too. And that was, and then it it continues because people then responded and started saying to me, well, I'm also trying to leave my corporate job or I really appreciate you sharing this part of of your story. And I I just, I love that. I think it's, I think it's so beautiful. Hmm. I was thinking how, um, how hard it is to to accept that what you want is go is to go through that process yes <laughs> <laughs> yes completely because we are taught in nowadays society that there are quick fixes okay or that there is a and b there is no a to b process <laughs> essentially it's like you're either in one or you're in another and instead the process is where all the magic happens did you find um when you first you were saying that you were depending on your husband's savings did you find that that was a big struggle in yeah (laughs) okay a huge one so um, my friends and family know me as very ambitious and independent kind of girl. Mm-hmm. So when, when we moved here and obviously that was our only option, I, I found myself struggling very much. And, um, but I think it's also the way my husband dealt with my struggle made me feel a lot comfortable with it with time so that's really nice (laughs) yeah I have to say my husband has been 
very helpful in that <laughs> as well. <laughs> but um, what I wanted to touch upon there was that exactly what you said, friends and family see you as an independent, ambitious woman. And it's this struggle of reframing your identity that is one of the things that is so difficult to handle, I found. Because I left this stable financial job, which also gave me a sense of identity, that I was self-sufficient and independent and high-powered. And I'd been taught my whole life that as a woman, I was supposed to have it all, or like that I could have it all. I went to a uh, quite a high-powered all-girls school that gave me this sense of, of almost over ambition <laughs> that we were constantly being told that we could do anything we wanted which is it's a wonderful message but equally can lead to quite a lot of pressure True. and so when I when I left that job I had all these feelings of well who am I without this job who am I if I am not a high-powered professional woman yeah. And it struggled so much to match up with who I thought I was. And that process, the three years that it took me to now, so much of that was essentially breaking down that idea and building up a new vision of myself that didn't require external validation. Oh, I love that. <laughs> you know, but I think we both have a very different cultural upbringing. Mm. For me, being ambitious and uh, independent in my culture, are, um, girls are supposed to depend, still, women are supposed to depend on their counterparts. Um, but I grew up very differently. Um, I have a mother who is very ambitious and independent and um, my the circumstances of my family made me who I am today. Mm -hmm. um, my parents um, divorced when I was around 16 and in our society it's quite a big deal mm -hmm. and when we are supposed to depend on the male um, of your family your brothers or your you know father and i my sister and i uh, we started living on our own at that age mm -hmm. um in a different city wow. and it is not acceptable <laughs> back home I so see. so it was kind of more the rebellious side of me that made me ambitious because i wanted to take that power back in my own hands and I wanted mm. to make my own future because I believed I could and the way even in this century the way that things are still um, I don't agree with them mm -hmm. <laughs> and I want to change them so I think I took that in my own hands for myself so yeah. it's very different and when yeah. I had to deconstruct that when I started living with my husband it was a real um, struggle to deconstruct that identity that I had built, that I'm an independent and ambitious woman and I can do things on my own in my own way. Mm -hmm. But then I had to switch <laughs> and yes. 
take my time to figure things out. Yeah, it was different. Yeah, that's really interesting because it's from, from what I'm hearing and tell me if I'm wrong, from your point of view, it was that rebellion of your cultural upbringing that brought you to that identity. And then from my point of view, it was kind of the buildup of what society had been telling me to do, but also the rebellion of the traditional roles as well that was telling me that I shouldn't be depending on my husband for financial support, despite the fact that society had also been kind of building me up to to that as well. (laughs) 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 Um, But I, I... I think that's really, I think that's so interesting that it kind of still leads to the same point of exactly. of having to deconstruct, of trying to fight against what is expected. <laughs> right, yeah. By any chance, have you read uh, Playing Big? I have, yes. I'm reading it nowadays and I'm loving it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, There's a lot of gems in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It came to my mind because now we were think we were talking about how societies play a role in conditioning women to believe what is or is not possible for them. Yeah, no, very much so. And that that book actually did help me uh, in in discovering well, not in discovering, but in kind of trying to figure out where I was trying to place more and where mm-hmm. I was trying to keep myself small so that I wouldn't have to deal with the expectations that were set of me, essentially. Aren't we all? (laughs) Yeah, well, I I think that is, I think that is the eternal struggle, isn't it? I think that's where we're all at, is that we have these, we have these desires, but so many demands Mm -hmm. on our time and not just on our time, but who people expect us to be and who we expect ourselves to, to be, be yeah. as well. I, I struggled when I first moved up because, uh, as well, I mean, many reasons why I struggled. <laughs> but, uh, but another of the reasons was that I thought, well, if I'm not contributing financially, then I have to do everything else. So... Yeah. I fell into that traditional role. So I did all the cleaning, I did all the cooking, I did all the organizing of our household, which was just another way to keep myself busy, mm-hmm. not doing creative work. Right. I think I did the same too. <laughs> and I really, in the beginning, I really wanted, my, the rebellious side of me didn't want to take up all those roles. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't want to define myself with something that I wasn't appreciative of. Mm-hmm. The traditional roles for men and women in the household. Yeah. yeah. Julia, I was wondering to ask you uh, about what does living a wholehearted creative life look like for you? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, and for me personally, as I have mentioned before, I, I think it's about, it's about staying curious. It's, it's about being able to give yourself the space 
to try things out and be bad at them without calling yourself a failure or a bad person if that happens. And usually the truth is, is that when you start following your curiosity, you tend to do well anyway. <laughs> because, I mean, obviously there's always room for failure, but you tend to do better at something that you're doing for the sheer joy of it, for playtime. And a wholehearted creative life to me looks like having space to play, having space for flexibility, as well as chasing your curiosity. Oh, that sounds amazing. So uh, where can we find you online, Julia? So I am at juliarights.com and uh, Julia is spelt G-I-U-L-I-A, which is the Italian spelling <laughs> for my name. <laughs> And I'm also on Instagram, also under Julia Writes. And you can also find me on Pinterest as well, where I collect all sorts of inspirations and things that uh, bring me joy, essentially. And there I just share more about the process and about identity and change. Thank you so much for this lovely conversation, Julia. Thank you, Here, It's been such a joy to talk to you. I love hearing your story as well. All the links we mentioned will be over on my website, hirasamad.com forward slash podcast, H-I-R-A-S-A-H-M-E-D dot com forward slash podcast. If you have any thoughts or you would like to share your personal story, you can use the hashtag livingyourtruthpodcast and you can find me over on Instagram at Ahmed. If you think you have a friend who might benefit from this conversation, please share the link of this episode with them. And thank you so much for listening to the episode. It would really help me and the podcast if you take a moment to subscribe and review the podcast. You can find more about me and the work I do over on my website. There you can also subscribe to my thoughtful letters. I write letters every other Sunday where I share personal insights, personal stories and my experience of living my truth out loud and I would love to connect with you.